my name is Johan Norberg and today is June 8th of 2018 and I'm here with Judy Jones <laughs> at the Marcy uh, Library for the Our Streets Our Stories project at the Brooklyn Public Library. So what's your Brooklyn story? Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, well I came here from a small town in Massachusetts in 1962 to attend Pratt Institute. And I never went back home, yeah. um, Massachusetts. Although it's funny because even though I was in Massachusetts for 18 years, we always think of it as home, although I've been here in good old Brooklyn within this 48-block radius for about 56 years now. Yeah. And needless to say, I've seen an amazing changes go on. But throughout it all, I think the the part of Brooklyn that I love so much is the fact that even though it's very urban yeah. and it's close to Manhattan, it still retains a residential feel. It's very neighborly and at the same time it's dynamic. Yeah. Um, when I first came here to go to Pratt, the neighborhood that it's nestled in was considered mm, a little bit iffy. Yeah. Um, in fact, when my my father drove off of the Brooklyn Queens Expressway to come. He said, oh my goodness, because as far as he was concerned, Massachusetts is God's country. <laughs> and New York, any part of New York is the belly of the beast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he was kind of a little nervous about letting me stay here. But uh, it's just been a phenomenal experience through it all. I've, I've, I met my husband. I had two children. I got divorced, I met another husband, I mean, it's been a long ride and an exciting ride. Um, I think though the change that is the most dramatic has been the movement of people in and around the various neighborhoods. I mean, Pratt is considered in Clinton Hill, basically. And of the three neighborhoods that kind of uh, abut each other, there's Fort Greene. I mean, when you're moving up from downtown Brooklyn, you come to Fort Greene, then you come to Clinton Hill, then you move to Bed-Stuy. So Pratt was kind of, is in Clinton Hill, and that was considered of the three neighborhoods the more upper, upscale, upper class or whatever. I mean, you have uh, Clinton Avenue, you have Vanderbilt Avenue, you have many of the old, old mansions that were there that, were, that belonged to the old families of New York, the Vanderbilts, the DuPonts, et cetera, et cetera, who used to come to Brooklyn for their summer vacations because it was mostly farmland and country and things like that. Yeah. So um, obviously that has changed yeah. a great deal. And then you had Fort Greene, which was the area just surrounding Fort Greene Park. Um, which was considered a little bit less than Clinton Hill in terms of socioeconomic levels and that kind of a thing, but has certainly changed. And due to gentrification throughout this whole area from, say, Atlantic Avenue all the way over to Flushing Avenue and from downtown Brooklyn all the way deep into Bed-Stuy, you've seen major, major changes. Um, and migrations. People moved back from the Long Island and then moved back to Long Island, and now are moving back again. <laughs> um, 
you see people coming from other countries. And I think one of the things that you notice when you're driving around or just walking around or, dri- or on the bus is the amount of construction. I mean, there is not one single block that isn't touched by construction. And I think that that has done the most to change the feelings as you move from neighborhood to neighbor, neighborhood. I mean, gentrification obviously has been a thing that has, has moved and, and in some respects people feel that it has encroached on the, the feelings of the neighborhoods that were there and have been and have changed them. In some instances, it has helped maybe underserved neighborhoods get better services, et cetera. So, you know, there's, it's a double-edged sword when it comes to gentrification. It depends on who you are and, and, and how it affects you. But I, I, I think for me, I opted to stay in and around the neighborhood because it's so central to everything that's going on in New York. You can easily jump on a train and get into Manhattan or go to Queens or even go to Long Island. You can, you know, now they have the various ferries. You can take a ferry ride across and get to downtown Manhattan and whatnot. So it's this particular area and neighborhood is has experienced a lot of growth and a lot of change and I think a lot of that is because we are so centrally located. Yeah. Um, I think when I when I think about the neighborhood and and the people in it and what affects them most and the changes that have come about, you see see things like more little restaurants, yeah. more little neighborhood bistros and places to eat, little coffee shops on the corner. You see more exercise classes. We, you know, we have yoga classes and and spin classes. You see, the the Y has has upped their game, etc. You see juice bars, yeah. you know, wine shops, um, all the different things that kind of speak to movement within a within a community. And some people kind of don't feel good about that. I, for one, love that. I love that part of it because it says it says community on many on many many levels and um, I find that Brooklyn say more so than what you would find in Manhattan are uh, Brooklyn is much more community oriented and community based I mean on the block that I live on we know our neighbors you know, you kind of look out for your neighbors, even though we may be of different ethnicities, we may be different religions, we may be different socioeconomic levels or whatever, but we're still our community and you kind of look out for one another. You see things going on and that kind of a thing. Um, one, of the, one of the things that's been uh, good for us uh, has been the, the abandoned lot that was in the middle of the building has been turned into a community garden. A neighbor of mine and myself had tried for many years to keep all the old tires, all the old tin cans and stuff that people threw over the fence out of it so that people in the community could use it as a space to grow a vegetable or two or whatever. Yeah. And then in 1999 when um, uh, Mayor Giuliani put all the 
best pocket parks and abandoned lots up for sale, the New York um, Land Preservation Trust or whatever stepped in and they bought a number of them. But the ones that were left over were purchased by Bette Midler and she started the New York Restoration Project. So a few years after that, um, and they started to look around for extra funding and grants and partnerships, they were able to partner with Target and Target decided that of all the spaces that were available to them, they chose the one on Bed Little Bedford Avenue to um, turn into a community garden and to landscape, etc. So uh, we were able to get a, a group of people from the community together and, and with the designers from Target and with the representatives from New York Restoration Project, we actually designed the space so that it would be um, a nice green space yeah. for people to come into and relax. And for people who didn't have access to dirt, they could come in and garden, yeah. you know, raise their vegetables or whatever. And I, I talk about it because I think that, especially in this area, as I've observed, there's a number of community gardens. Like every couple of blocks or so, you'll find a community garden and people, are really invested in trying to maintain green spaces because it's so important for our well-being, for our sense of humanity, for who we are. The, our relationship to nature is what kind of keeps us alive and, and, and really keeps us going as people. So when you begin to lose that and you begin to lose that connection to nature, you in turn lose that connection to each other. So in the community garden, you come in there and you lose that you know, that rat race feeling and you kind of drop that, that demeanor that you had of, you know, at work or in school or whatever, and you relax. And people are people in the garden. You know, it doesn't matter who you are. You're just in there putting your hands in the dirt and it feels good, you know? Yeah, what was the name of it? It's, it's the Target, Target Garden. It's on Bedford Avenue between DeKalb and Willoughby Avenues. And there's many gardens in the area. There are several that are managed by New York Restoration Project. There are some that are the um, um, Green Thumb Gardens. So you'll, you'll see them sprinkled in and around the various boroughs, et, et cetera. But I think that community gardens have gone a long way to maintain neighborhoods. And I think that, you know, that that's important. Yeah. Also, um, the library is very important as well. I. <laughs> coming from Springfield, Massachusetts, the home of Dr. Seuss. <laughs> I have always loved the library. And when I was 16, um, the library was, we lived actually right across the street from the library. So when my mother was looking for me, she just knew, she just called up the library and said, is Judy there? <laughs> so when I turned 16, I got a job in the library as a page. Yeah. And, um, which was great because I worked in library all the way through high school. So when I did come to Pratt in my years when I wanted to earn some extra money and whatnot, I worked in the Pratt library. I worked in the art reference room. I worked in acquisitions. I learned how to repair books. I mean, so the library was always a, an important part of my life. And I think it's an important part of this neighborhood, this particular branch that we're in, the Marcy branch, has recently gone through some renovation, etc. But we've made a liaison between the library and the community garden. So they've been using the community garden for um, 
several of their little toddler programs and whatnot. And it's great. Okay. It's kind of great to see that, you know, that community involvement and that interaction. Yeah. Can you tell me more about uh, what the neighborhood was like in the 60s and 70s? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> when I first came here, I mean, we were cautioned as freshman girls at Pratt. Number one, we had to live on the campus for our freshman year. We weren't allowed to have an apartment off or anything like that. And this was before Pratt purchased a lot of the property in and around the neighborhood that they have now. I mean, they've since built huge buildings on Myrtle Avenue. They're in the process now of building a huge dormitory on Emerson. They purchased one of the three Willoughby Walk buildings as a dorm, and they're co-ed dorms now. Okay. When I was growing up, they were, when I first came here, there was no such thing as a co-ed dorm. Yeah. And Myrtle Avenue had an elevated train. Yeah. Um, and it, it, we were cautioned not to go to Myrtle Avenue because it was considered sinister. Mm -hmm. um, but we went anyway, of course. You know. um, and then in later years, they removed the L train. And it kind of it lightened things up. And, um, and the neighborhood began slowly changing. I remember um, <laughs> there's one, I guess, sort of semi-famous Chinese restaurant, Kum Kao, on the corner of um, Washington and Myrtle Avenue. And in fact, one of my, um, one of the, the uh, um, graduates of Pratt wrote a book about the neighborhood and about Myrtle Avenue and about Come Cow <laughs> and a children's book. He wrote a children's book about it. Ted Lewin, in fact, uh, wrote a book about it. And, but everybody went to, all the students at, <laughs> at Pratt went to Come Cow for Friday night dinner or whatever. And, um, you know, you would go and then you'd get right back to campus because when the L was there, it made it very dark. You know, so the when they moved, removed the L, and then they start, and they raised the street lights because originally, you know, they were underneath the tracks. When they raised the street lights and whatnot, then it kind of opened up Myrtle, yeah. and that's when it began to change. That's when it began to change. But and Myrtle Avenue now is like the place. I mean, we actually have a Starbucks, <laughs> uh, we have a Chipotle, yeah. we have every one of the banks. That's usually a telltale <laughs> sign when the banks come. Yeah. Um, so now it's, and, and these huge condo buildings have gone up, and uh, it's, it's, it's amazing how that has changed. Yeah. And you lived in Brooklyn for over 50 years. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe it when I was thinking about that this yeah. morning. Which places have you, you moved around? Well, I, yeah, I, well, I first, I started out on Pratt campus, which yeah. is in Clinton Hill. Then we, then five of us moved across the street and got a, rented an apartment in in Willoughby Walk, which was on Willoughby Avenue, and that's still in Clinton Hill. Yeah. Then let's see, from Willoughby Walk, I moved to the Clinton Hill Apartments. From Clinton Hill Apartments, oh, actually, yeah, from Clinton Hill Apartments. It's probably a couple of little apartments in in between. <laughs> from there, I moved to Claremont Avenue, which was really considered Fort Greene. And then from Fort Greene, um, I was able then to buy a home, and that was on Bedford Avenue, and that was into Bed-Stuy. So I've lived Clinton Hill, Fort Greene, Bed-Stuy, so it's like yeah. good old Brooklyn. There's a few places where, where I felt that in 
Fort Greene, Clinton Hill, Bed-Stuy, wherever we have. We have such a great mix of people, yeah. such a diversity. You don't get that sense that it's a German neighborhood or a French neighborhood or Italian neighborhood or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's a everybody's neighborhood. Yeah. And how was it starting a family in Brooklyn? Um, I'd say, you know, as in any urban center, it can it can be challenging. But it was exciting also because there was so much available for the, you know, for kids. Um, schooling was, was, although in this area, in Clinton Hill, the, the um, public schools were, were okay. But as a parent and wanting the best that I could get for my children, I had to do research and whatnot. So um, I actually ended up sending my children to school in uh, Brooklyn Heights because it was an underutilized school, but still within our district. So we were able to go there, and, and from there they went um, to um, Gifted and Talented Middle School, and then both of them ended up going to Brooklyn Tech for high school. And then, um, sadly, my son died at age 16, um, but my, my daughter, uh, since graduated, from Brooklyn Tech and had gone on to college and now she's married and has two children. I'm a grandma. Mm -hmm. I love being a grandma. Yeah. It's nothing like it. And they love coming to Brooklyn. Yeah. In fact, they were here for Memorial Day weekend and you know, we went on Pratt campus so they could run in the grass and you know, play in the playgrounds and things, but um, it, you know, having a family, but it it was good too. Having a family in New York is good because you've got everything here. You've got all the culture, the museums, you have colleges, you have shopping, <laughs> you have every place imaginable to eat, you have wonderful sites, and there's so much you can do with your children that's free. Yeah. And, um, you know, so that, that raising kids here was, as I said, at times a challenge, but also very, very rewarding. Yeah. So, yeah. Is there other ways that it has been challenging living, living in Brooklyn? Has there been negative aspects as well? Oh <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you really want me to talk about those. <laughs> if you want to. I mean, I mean, face it, yeah. you know, let's be realistic. Yeah. It's the city, it's New York, you've got, you know, you have to contend with crime, you have to consider safety, security, things like that. Um, the one thing that I've noticed, at least within the last, say, five, 10 years, say, yeah. but especially within the last five years, tremendous amount of construction going on. I mean, it's just unreal. And when that happens, we have wildlife that gets, you know, and yeah. those are things you have to contend with. Yeah. I mean, I call them New York wildlife, but we all know what they are. They have four legs and a long, long tail. <laughs> and it, it gets to be a challenge. I mean, it, that gets to be a challenge. But other than that, I, I think the things that are good about Brooklyn yeah. um, far outweigh the things that are negative about Brooklyn. With the changing dynamic the, and people moving, and we, we live in a very transient kind of neighborhood. We have a lot of college kids that come in and go that kind of thing. We're beginning to get kind of a core of young families, though, that seem to be putting down roots. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's a good thing. But with the changes and, and 
even though there is that sense of community and that sense of neighborhood, sometimes it's it's hard to maintain that over any length of time because people do move and come and go and that kind of thing. So, and getting people involved in things like I was part of the block association yeah. and I'm part of the guard, but trying to get people involved, some you know, their lives get crazy. People yeah. are working, the, yeah. this, that, and the other. So it that part is a challenge. Yeah. How is it to get older in the neighborhood? Older? Yeah. Me? Do you have stuff to do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, do I? Let me tell yeah. you, I am retired. Yeah. And I said to myself, I am more busy now than when I was working. Yeah. I, I wonder how I got anything done when I was working, you know. Yeah. But um, I find it's it's very good. In fact, um, I found you guys yeah. at the uh, older adult yeah. Yeah. Uh, thing. And I teach crafts to senior citizens. I've been doing that for over 10 years oh, now. Yeah. And that has really kept me engaged and, and whatnot. And I'm the church administrator for my church. Yeah. So I handle all the books and we do finances and we just reach, recently purchased a building. So that has added a whole new <laughs> level of responsibility. You getting, <laughs> plus I do things to keep, keep going. I, I attend a line dancing class on Thursday mornings at, I wear my Fitbit to get my 10,000 steps in. So, um, and it and it's good. I feel comfortable walking around blocks early in the morning and and even after dark, not too too late after dark, but you know, and, and I feel very comfortable in the neighborhood so I'm able to to do that. And there are services available. We are involved in establishing that though for senior citizens. Yeah. You know, um, we have a program called God's Embrace Village where we present to senior citizens things that they're concerned about. We, we make connections with them with people who are in finance or insurance or um, if they need some, something spiritual or if they need mental health yeah. uh, support, nutrition, things like that. So we have a program where we help seniors and being a senior yeah. I take advantage of it <laughs> of course <laughs> of course right right uh, did you work in Brooklyn as well no no actually I, I worked in Manhattan yeah. um, I worked corporate America for I was spent a good number of years in merchandising I was a buyer at Abraham and Strauss and at Bloomingdale's at one point and I went to work for Greenwood Mills which is a textile firm and from there I um, uh, with a friend of mine who had also worked at Greenwood Mills, we um, established a textile design firm, and that's what I retired from that. We had that studio for about 12 years, and we sold um, original designs to the print industry, to apparel industry, home furnishings, that kind of thing. Okay. So, yeah. Um, what lessons have you learned <laughs> from them? living in Brooklyn for over 50 years. Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah, that's a tough one. Mm -hmm. you, can, you can think for, for a while if you need to. Um, I, think, I think one of the things that I've learned is that people will react to you how you present yourself to them. Yeah. You know, if, if, if you're willing to meet people where they are and accept people just the way they are without imposing any of your own feelings or whatnot on them. You can have an interaction, you know, you can, um, you can build a collaboration. Yeah. 
you know, and you can build neighbors and you can build community. And I, I think that's one, because I come in Springfield in Massachusetts, you know, you're used to walking up and down the street and saying hi to everybody. You know, and I came to New York and I said hi to somebody, they look at me, who are you talking to? You know, that kind of a thing. But once you get established and you, once you live in a neighborhood, et cetera, for a while, and you learn that people are people no matter where you go. If you strike up a conversation, you, they may be a little bit surprised initially, but then after that, it's like floodgates open and they become your BFF in a five minute conversation, you know? So I think that's one of the lessons that I learned, that people are people no matter, no matter what. And you have to be willing and open to meet people where they are. Yeah. Do you have any advice for future generations? Ad oh my goodness, I'm not one to give advice to anybody. You gotta live your own life, buddy. <laughs> I have a hard enough time living my life. Yeah. No, but I, I would say if I have any advice is realize that wherever you're gonna go in Brooklyn, that neighborhood has already been established. So when you go there, you're not coming to I mean, because that's one of the feelings that we have oftentimes in these older established neighborhoods, when you've got new people coming in that tend to carry with them a little bit of an arrogance, a little bit of a sense of entitlement. I would say, respect the people who are already there. And remember, they were there before you came. And even though you're looking at it through your eyes and you're from your frame of reference, they've already been established. They've already lived their lives there. So when you come in, you're coming in as a guest first. And you have to earn your position there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the advice I would give. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to? Oh, wow. Um, <coughs> I don't know. Um, when I think about, you, as I'm getting older and I think about maybe at some point downsizing and moving, I mean, my children, my family lives more down in the Washington DC area. And I think about maybe having to move, it kind of gives me a really funny feeling because I love Brooklyn. You know, it's been a major part of my life. And I can't imagine being able to re recreate the kind of life I've made for myself here in any other place, you know? And that's, that's a little bit off-putting, you know? So I will hold that off as long as I can. <laughs> as much as my daughter keeps saying, Ma, you gotta move closer, you gotta move closer. Not quite yet. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, thank you so much on behalf of Brooklyn Public Library. Oh. It's been my pleasure. Yeah, and have a great day. You too. <laughs>